All right, we need a new title for our big new painted comic. It's gotta be a prelude of sorts to a new Avengers team, as well as set up for more stories later. Okay, Chief, how about Covert Conflict? That sounds awful. Uh, okay, okay, um, uh, Hidden Battles. That won't test well at all with our audience, but I think you're on to something. Hmm. Secret? Yes, yes. Fight. Absolutely not. I think I see what you're getting at. Do you just want to call it Secret Wars? Aha! Uh-huh. Oh, wait. What year is it? 2004 in the Common Era. Uh, nope, we can't do that. Why not? Every good comic editor knows if you're going to reuse a storyline name, you have to wait at least 30 years. Oh, so we have until 2015 before we can use it again? Yep, that year we're bound to use it again, regardless of how much sense it makes. Makes sense to me. Wait. That's perfect. Great. Secret war it is. Kid, you're gonna make me some money. Steak to celebrate? And maybe we'll talk about comics? Yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earth. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome, readers, to our first and only episode covering Secret War. Yes, this is not the Secret Wars from 1984 to 1985 or the Secret War from 2015. This is the, or sorry, Secret Wars. Oh boy. <laughs> From 2015. This is the Secret War that came about in 2004 and 2005. This comic took 22 months to come out. It was a quarterly released comic. It was. Yikes. Yep. You had to wait that long for this. And you've probably read it in, uh, I read this comic in, I think, 20 minutes. All five issues. Yeah. Now, to be said, I'd read it before, so I'd really gotten to appreciate Wait. the good parts of it. But it's, uh, it is a pretty staunch example of decompression, but that's, that's probably some good discussion stuff. Do we have anything we need to discuss off the bat? I don't think we have any new patrons mm. or reviews, so. Shame on you, readers. Shame on you. <laughs> Why haven't you reviewed our podcast? We're doing great out here. <laughs> We'd love to be shouting you out right now. You could say something in your review like, uh, I love Christy and Chris. Also, please patronize my uh, sh- shop that sells specifically uh, Muppet knockoffs. And we'd have to say it. Oh, yeah. If it was in the review. <laughs> as gonna... long as it was five stars. <laughs> Just swear words. We're like, oh, no. <laughs> Just a long series of beeps. Yep. All right, so maybe we wouldn't say your swear words, or we'd say them and then leave them out. Because we're we're all ages here. Do you ever wonder if the readers, like, want to know more about our lives in the form of, like, sort of, like, a little open where, you know, a lot of times in in podcasts, people will chat and be like, you know, this week I, uh, I tried out a new biscuit restaurant, and then the other host will be like, oh, how was the gravy? And they're like, what's gravy? And then they get on a weird tangent. 
And then they finally actually get to the topic at hand. Do you think people would want that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, nobody said so in a review, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I mean, I think we put out a lot of that content like on Twitter already, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you want that that warm up, listeners. We we really just I get think right our into fun it. cold open. It's enough of a warm up. I think so. It takes me enough time to write them. I don't. I don't know. I mean, we're pretty charming people, but I don't know if we could organically <laughs> come up with every two weeks something engaging enough. I think just uh, out of regular banter. A lot of the people who do it don't also live in the same house and sleep in the same bed. So yeah. I feel like... Like, we talk about things, like, all the time. Like, I can't <laughs> tell you a story right now about something that happened this week that I haven't already told you. That's true. Okay, I guess we'll just stick to the normal format. I mean, unless we get a lot of five-star reviews with additional helpful suggestions that yep. there should be more banter about our everyday life. I suppose that's true. <laughs> well, it's a it's a quick one today because again, very decompressed, but we are covering all five issues. Are you ready for the summary? Summary. Secret War 1 through 5, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Gabrielle Delotto, lettered by Corey Pettit, and edited by Andy Schmidt. Luke Cage and Jessica Jones return home to their apartment only to find an unknown woman there, who destroys their apartment with huge energy blast, putting Luke into the hospital. Nick Fury finds out about this attack aboard his helicarrier and visits Luke in the hospital. A confused Jessica demands to know why he is there, and he wonders to himself... What have I done? Flashback to a year in the past in which a criminal named Killer Shrike is brought in and interrogated by S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, only to discover that he has gained his super gear through the Tinkerer, a somewhat common source. Fury gets Black Widow to track the Tinkerer, only to find him in the Latvian airport. Fury presents information a bit later to the president, specifically that many supervillains are getting material from the Tinkerer, who is being financed by Lucia von Bardas, current prime minister of Latveria. The president does not want action to be taken at this time, but an angry Fury confesses to fellow agent Contessa Valentina Allegra de la Fontaine that if he doesn't take action, people will get hurt. Issue 2 Captain America, Daredevil, Luke Cage, and Spider-Man are all recruited by Nick Fury to accompany him on a secret mission with very little details. Spider-Man is unfortunately confronted in his apartment, leading to a little friction with Mary Jane. A drunk and basically out-of-character Wolverine joins them on the plane to... somewhere? Along with a mysterious dark-haired young woman. It turns out they're going to Latveria, surprise, surprise, where they meet up with Black Widow, who says some really offensive stuff before heading to Fury's safe house. Fury briefs this team similarly to how the president was briefed and tells them all of his ultimate goal, overthrow the Latverian government. Back in the present, Cap suddenly shows up and attacks Fury at the hospital, telling him that something like the attack on Luke was bound to happen. Issue number three. 
Spider-Man is having dreams of a battle that he and the aforementioned heroes fought, but knows it can't possibly have taken place. He visits the apartment of Matt Murdock to ask if he's having a similar dream, but Daredevil arrives and vehemently denies these dreams. Daredevil checks his messages and finds a call from Jessica in which she explains what happened to Luke. Spidey and Daredevil head to the hospital. Back at the hospital, Cap tells Jessica and Danny Rand, the Iron Fist, to grab Luke and run. Cap explains to Fury that he was attacked by supervillains in his civilian garb and barely made it out. He talks of the, quote, secret war, turned to camera, from a year ago. On the way to the hospital, Daredevil and Spider-Man are waylaid by Diamondback and Scorcher, who they fight off. It appears some tech-clad villains are hunting our heroes. The heroes all meet up at the hospital, and after hearing about the, quote, secret war, Daredevil tells Fury to call for backup. But it's too late. Tons and tons of tech-based villains show up with vengeance on their minds. And, uh, song in their heart. Issue number four. This issue is, by and large, a giant fight between the heroes and the villains, with not a ton else. But we start with Wolverine being attacked back at the Xavier Mansion by more tech villains. Fury calls the Fantastic Four for backup. Midway through the battle, Daredevil interrogates Scorcher, demanding to know who he is working for. Scorcher seems pretty terrified of his employer. The Fantastic Four arrive to help, but are still confused about what is going on, while Fury isn't very forthcoming. Finally, however, the villain's benefactor arrives, a very heavily augmented Lucia Von Bardis, who activates all of the suits. They start to mold together, still attached to their wearers, into a giant antimatter bomb. Sue Storm attempts to use her force fields to separate the suits, but to no avail. Bardis taunts the villain as the bomb starts to explode and the issue ends. Issue number five. We cut to a S.H.I.E.L.D. interrogation room six hours after our big fight where Maria Hill is questioning Daisy Johnson, the mysterious dark-haired woman. Back to the fight, Von Bardis is stopped when Daisy Johnson uses her vibration powers to shoot holes in the Prime Minister, which ends up stopping the bomb. Cap demands Fury explain himself, and the astonishing X-Men show up, with a ticked-off Wolverine wondering the same thing. Fury explains to us again about him briefing the president and recruiting the heroes to overthrow Latveria. However, we now learn that the heroes were present when Fury took extreme measures, having Daisy collapse Castle Doom with Von Bardis inside. Fury erased everyone's memories, leaving them to eventually be targeted for something they have no memory of. Wolverine, having a history of mind erasure, is understandably mad, and when he attacks Fury, Daisy explodes his heart. Wolverine heals, and it turns out Fury left a life model decoy and is on the lam. Back in the interrogation room, Hill demands Johnson tell her where Fury is, but the young agent says she has no idea. Of course, she later receives a call from him about his next orders. Finn? All right, Christy, what were your thoughts on this here comic book? It was some really heavy-handed and very poorly done metaphor. Could you elaborate? Oh, my goodness. So, I feel like the only redeeming thing about this event existing is as a reminder of 
many people's mentality in America in a very early post 9-11 world. Yeah, this is uh, 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 the crossovers that kind of so crossovers didn't really happen as line wide events at Marvel after like the infinity stuff. They, they they didn't kind of get their own miniseries until House of M, which this takes place slightly beforehand. This is not considered a line-wide event per se, mm-hmm. but boy, does this really set the tone for a lot of them going forward. They get, like, kind of political, but in, like, ways that aren't, I think, really good. We'll probably really pan Secret War or Civil War following this. Mm-hmm. Secret Invasion is another crossover that comes later, and it's about, like, the enemy amongst us and not trusting people, which very much, like, in 2008 was a, like, eye-roll sort of thing. Yeah. And then it finally has a crossover where somebody who exploited the fears of people took over um, the defense of the government but is, like, using it for evil purposes. <laughs> it's just... Making Latveria like your symbolic, I guess, Al Qaeda. I don't know what. I I don't know exactly what I they're don't going know, for because, here. Because like who like it, the people who <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like at this point in time things were still kind of murky. Like the Iraq War was going on and hadn't right. come to like a conclusion. Mm-hmm. I mean. I mean, how it took forever before, like, anything happened with that. But it was still, like, the we-might-find-something sort of stage. But showing up in Latveria and Black Widow in some sort of head covering, calling it a burqa when it's not a burqa, and talking about, you know, fitting into the repressed culture here in Latveria when literally no other person is depicted wearing any sort of head covering anywhere in Latveria. Yeah, the prime minister is a woman and she doesn't wear a head covering. Right. Also, Latveria is, is Eastern European. They, like, they like absolutely slotted, like, a completely, like, w- strange... It's supposed to kind of be, like, a almost... I always thought Latveria to be more of, like, a Croatia right? or something like that. Like, a Slavic country, not necessarily, like, a... Afghanistan, but they just did. They wanted to use a fictional country because they didn't want to say Afghanistan was funding supervillains because that right. w- that would have been like even more ridiculous. And they just could not think of one. And so I think they found the one that would end up being what this is gonna with heavy quote marks the quote unquote least offensive. If you would have said like Madripoor would have done it, it would have been like a, I feel like it would have read as Yellow Panic, right? And at least in this, they kind of gave it like a. It's but like that bit that made didn't no need sense to be to me. there. It she could have just no showed sense. up. Yes, like even if she was like wearing like a head covering or something, because a lot of a lot of in the, in the past, a lot of like the women in Latveria seem to wear like scarves. But it's I don't think it's necessarily like a more like a European thing. peasant scarf. It is literally like a <laughs> European peasant scarf. I think that like, probably doesn't you exist. know the sort that persecute mer- er, and the, the sort that persecute mutants. <laughs> yeah, it's it's you get like your rent a peasant scarf. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's bad. And okay. I like the art in this best when I'm not actually trying to read a comic. If that makes sense. It's very beautiful, but in terms of sequential art, it did not work for me. 
Yeah, it definitely, I, I don't think it had the dynamism that I tend to like in my, my comics. I think every individual panel was like gorgeous and it was like, it, it was a gorgeous still. Yes. But it did not carry a lot of momentum to it. Mm-hmm. And especially since I think nearly 90% of the pages, with a few exceptions, they had like all the panels were isolated mm-hmm. against sort of like a wash backdrop, like mm-hmm. a painted backdrop that was very pretty and it looked very nice to look at. But in terms of comic drawing your eye through and it just, no, it didn't work. It just it felt, everything felt too separate. And I, I think it is an art issue because if we compare this to House of M, which uh, came out both during this and kind of after. Oh, gosh, this took forever to came, come out. And it it's was big. five issues and only one came out every four, four months, months or roughly. three months quarterly. Yeah, yeah. Three months. Well, it ended up taking 22 months. So at some point the schedule got right. off. Uh, and I think they probably wanted it to come out sooner because setting up Nick Fury as, as no longer head of shield is something that you could tell they kind of wanted to play a long game on to, to put things in. Some perspective. Right. Like if they wanted to bury Fury as somebody that we didn't like, great. They did it in these five issues. Well, it's weird. He, when he comes back later, he's still a hero again. It's what? just a hero that none of them seem to like, none of them like, but he still does like quote unquote good things. I don't know. This this definitely makes Fury... He's never punished for... The... I don't think so. He destroyed an entire city of, like, innocent civilians. Well, he destroyed a castle. Was it just the castle? Because I thought it was the whole city. I think it was just the castle. Which has clearly been rebuilt because Doctor Doom's there. Um, For the readers, uh, at this point in time, Doctor Doom has been deposed. He is no longer the head of Latveria. So that's why he wasn't in this crossover at all. <laughs> crossover. Except for statues of him, which still existed in Latveria. I thought that was a nice touch, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, if you, if we literally go to go back to the art, if we compare the art of this to House of M, mm-hmm. House of M was by well, most Olivia Olivia Quapel. I'm just remembering that chase scene where Wolverine like jumps out of the or is like running from. The, the people who used to be like his shield, but it wasn't shield, but like effectively the shield of House of M. And it, there's, there's not very much dialogue, but there's these really cool panels of him running. And in mm-hmm. the way it just draws your eye around, it just mm-hmm. feels like a lot's moving. And I just did not feel that in this comic. I would just look at something and go, Oh, cool. It felt like watching someone's like carousel of their vacation. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Things were disjointed in this. I, before I even got to anything problematic in this, I think the first page I turned in was like, I'm not going to like this comic. Like the art just struck me that I'm like, this is beautiful, but I don't like it as a comic. Yeah, it's interesting. I, some of the, the choices in the art were interesting too. Did you notice that Daisy Johnson, who by the way, this is her first appearance and I'm sure she means nothing to you, but she was a really big deal in the 2000s. Oh. That she looks like Angelina Jolie from Hackers. Yeah. 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 I am, I am a hundred percent positive that that was the (laughs) The reference. I would, I would bet, I would bet a paycheck. On it, that uh, he was inspired, and and if, and if he says he wasn't, he's lying. 
Because looks, she looks just like her in some bits. Yeah, it's... And the whole thing just felt like a giant boys club. Like, I know there were girls there, but it... Two? Black Two. Widow and yeah, but... Daisy Johnson? I mean, no, was... None of the heavy hitters. Where was Miss yeah. Marvel? I don't know what Miss Marvel was doing at this point. I think she was maybe not a superhero. And, like, I don't even understand why Nick Fury brought anybody with him besides Daisy. Since, uh, well, they had to get to the, I don't know. There's a lot of plot holes in this. Uh, like, I, I guess there was a battle on their way to find finding Lucia. Yeah, we have some panels of them kicking a bunch of people in tech armor. Lots but that's it. So we assume a battle happened on the way there, and then they blew up the castle. It's interesting because a further storyline that has Nick Fury and Daisy Johnson is an ongoing called Secret Warriors. Which definitely seems like it's a it's a goof on this. Where mm-hmm. it's kind of like it's like a cloak and dagger kind of comic. It right. was actually Hickman's first ongoing at, mm. at Marvel, and he has so many people from Shield that he just like snags for this stuff. And I'm who and that's like what he does. And I'm like, why wouldn't he just do that? Yeah. Like, but to be fair, that's supposed to be as a result of this, if I recall. Like, I can't grab these guys. So instead, he grabs yeah. a bunch of like kids, which is pretty yeah, I bad. I just can't grab random heroes and put them into covert illegal operations without their knowledge or consent, and just say, "Yeah, trust me." I also got some of them some cool new suits. Spider Man looks like he had a new suit that he used specifically for secret warring. <laughs> just, I don't know it. Nothing about this felt like it was something that I, that was for me or that there were tiny glimmers and glimpses of things that were redeemable. Um, I even like, I got really excited when the FF showed up because I think that Brian Michael Bendis writes a pretty good The Thing. The Thing had had this period of banter with Spider-Man where I was like, all right. Mm-hmm. I'm into that. But then there's this bit where a visible woman who is um, supposed to be the strongest member of the Fantastic Four because she has an incredibly cool powers can't separate the the stuff. And she mm-hmm. goes like, Reed! and I was just like rolling my eyes out of my head. Mm-hmm. It seemed like a, a real like Scott moment of like the gene used to have all the time. <sighs> yep. Mm hmm. So yeah, we're really trashing this comic. I'm trying to think of some redeeming qualities in this. Um, I don't know. So, Wolverine like, hits on like an 18 year old. That's kind of weird. Oh no, it was was it the? It was not Daisy. It was the stewardess. The stewardess. But he was real gross, and I, I just can't see Wolverine doing I, that. I was just like, oh, yeah. this doesn't read like any Wolverine that I've read. No. Not that Wolverine hasn't been written that way somewhere. I, that's the. I it's can't think so of him getting drunk and, and, and like grossly hitting on somebody. I'm I'm sure he's been written as getting drunk with someone and them like flirting with each other. I bet that's happened. Oh yeah, but yeah, I can't even remember that. But I feel like it's happened. I just I'm just imagining like Chris Claremont reading that and going no. <laughs> just so skeevy. Yeah, Ugh. he even looks pretty creepy in this. Yeah, he's got like extra weird sideburns. Thanks. They like really, really tried stick to play out. up the Wolverine aspect, I yes. guess. Oh, <laughs> a lot it of the, looks like the guy you would absolutely not want to sit next to you on a flight. A lot of the people look kind of sweaty. 
Yeah. There's, there's, they're really shiny, sweaty people. Yeah. There's this bit where Daredevil is interrogating Scorcher and his eyes are like, a lot of the coloring in this is just kind of absent because a lot of it takes place at night or in flashbacks and the flashbacks are kind of colorless. They're a little like in grayscale. Yeah. Um, but they kind of bloodshot Scorcher's eyes and he just looks like, I get why he would look sweaty at that point, but that dude just looked like a sweaty mess. And I'm like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. That it was, it was very interesting kind of, cause it was obvious that this was very painted style. It was not like line art that was colored. Right. It much which, in the same way that like, like your Alex Ross's, mm-hmm. those are pretty, those are pretty painted. Whereas you, but, you tend to like his sequentials, if I recall. Yeah. I, but definitely there were some interesting things that were done with lighting that just made people's skin tones look very unique. It was, I don't know. I didn't feel comfy or happy reading it, which I guess is effectively done art. Because, like, <laughs> the only comfy and happy moment was, like, Peter Parker out on his anniversary dinner date with MJ. Yeah, you were like, this is the content I crave. It's like, oh, look. It's sweet, but it's also like conveniently their anniversary, meaning like, I guess he was gone in Latveria on a secret war mission last year on their anniversary. Cause this is (laughs) (laughs) Man, that's so true. Or he left like days afterwards. Right. Like happy anniversary going with Nick Fury on a secret war mission. She was not thrilled about Nick Fury grabbing him. How would MJ not remember it? Well, she remembered he was gone. I think she tends to not ask questions. Right. Does it actually ever go into how Nick Fury erased their memories? Nope, just doing stuff. Well, happy anniversary, MJ. You deserve it. You deserve it. But like, Jessica Jones, MJ, they're just... Even Jessica Jones is just the wife in this. Yeah, that's wild. The pregnant, delicate wife. That happens less, I feel like, in Brian Michael Bennis' New Avengers, where she is present in a similar way. Although... And, like, is it just because she's pregnant? We remember what people think about pregnant women fighting, fighting crime... That was, remember, that was uh, somewhat of a big deal in the Spider-Woman. Yes, I know. But, like, I don't know. She doesn't even really get to do anything other than just be mad at Mick Fury. Nick Fury. Mick Fury. <laughs> if Mick Foley was Nick Fury. I love it. Oh, it's like in this comic, if you're married to anybody, you are less capable. And if you're not married to anybody, you better be sexy. Who is not married to somebody but sexy? What? Black Widow and Daisy are both, like... And Daisy is nearly a child here. She Daisy is, is, like, is 18 entire years old. 18 entire years old. Yep. And yeah, there's this bit where she's, she and Maria Hill are chatting and Maria Hill is dressed like, uh, like, I don't know, like what you would expect a shield agent to be dressed as. And Daisy's got like this V neck thing. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I guess, I guess this is a choice Which- we're making. I'm all for ladies, you know, dressing in ways that make them feel attractive, but I don't like the one or the other. You are married and incapable or, like, sexy and, like, secretive. Because <laughs> that's what it is. That's the two types of women in this comic. There are two women in this comic. <laughs> well, Christy, as we all know, everybody is on a secretive, or is on a sexy secretive to married scale. 
<laughs> married and incapable. Married and incapable. It's like, where do you fit along that along the spectrum? <laughs> it's the 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 secret married scale. <laughs> Now that's a crossover that I would read. Secret married. <laughs> oh, what is the content of the secret married crossover? I think it's like this, but a bunch of um a bunch of superheroes got married and then have their memories erased and all of their spouses are wondering where the heck they they've been, but they're all coming to find them after a year. So, wait, wait, wait. Is this a crossover from the point of view of the spouses? Yeah, absolutely empowering the spouses yeah. is that what we're doing because i love this crossover i was about to hate it you're about to hate secret married i it's was i was it's gonna be a hit <laughs> when we take over marvel secret married <laughs> romance comics are coming back give me those capable spouses i just want a spouse that's capable <laughs> I'm sorry that you aren't getting enough of that in your daily life, apparently. <laughs> That's, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a very capable spouse, readers. I'm sorry. <laughs> but am I, I a very capable spouse? <laughs> I just want a comics capable. I want a, a spouse in comics that's capable. I love it. Mm-hmm. Those comics capable spouses. Capable? Oh. <laughs> it writes itself. <laughs> All the readers are just like tuning us out now. <laughs> uh, yeah, readers, if we just had our random banter at the beginning, this is what it'd be. Just like with it'd be about breakfast. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's anything else we need to really mention. Um, so uh, I want to make this joke, but I know you've never seen Naruto. So so I'm going to have to explain something for Naruto, but the readers are going to like this. Oh, okay. So there's in Naruto, everybody has powers, but they're called jutsus. They're like, the which jutsu just means the art of. Mm. Um, so when they like breathe fire or do their nin- their ninja magic powers, it's called that. And one of them is if somebody like slashes at you, you suddenly like disappear and are replaced with like a stick or something that they've actually slashed. And it's supposed to be like you did a, a, a sweet decoy. I feel like that's Nick Fury with his <laughs> life model decoys. And they just, they're just like, what, the, what on earth is a life model decoy? It's just a robot that seems like you. A robot that bleeds? Yeah, they're very they're they're life models. <laughs> they're not not life models. I want a life model. My life model can go to work and I will sleep. <laughs> I will yeah. sleep and I will cook delicious meals and life model can go to work. Until it like falls over and like it did in this comic. I just feel like I love it that it's like, oh yeah, Nick left like in the middle of this fight and we don't <laughs> right? even see it. We just have to rely on someone saying it. Oh. I mean, oh. I guess it's good that Wolverine didn't murder him. He does do uh, somewhat important stuff later. I promise. Okay. He's dead now. Okay, good. I don't like him. <laughs> you don't like Nick Fury. He's replaced by another Nick Fury who's his, it's Nick Fury's son. Who just so happens to look a lot like uh, Samuel L. Jackson, Nick Fury from the movies, whereas that was actually based off of the Ultimate 
comics version of Nick Fury. They just really wanted that version of Nick Fury to be in the normal Marvel universe because it was the one that was in the movies. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Sounds <laughs> good. I don't care how they made it happen. Sounds good. Well, this is going to probably be a short ep, but let's maybe get into the gobs of Twitter questions we have, or do we want to uh, do accolades? Accolades. All right, Christy, what's that What's that best line? All right. My best line comes from Spider-Man uh, when he was talking to Daredevil, and uh, they just got into a skirmish with Diamondback and Scorcher. And he's saying to Matt Murdock, I wish they made, like, a handbook so we could keep up with all these dumb coughs. Which I thought was a little interesting for him to throw in dumb coughs there, but also the handbook, I just got really excited and I thought about Squirrel Girl and her cards from Deadpool. And I was like, oh, I, did this come before those cards? Because... I think so. Probably. Probably. I'm like, if those cards came from this, I've now found a reason to like Secret War. This is a reference to the uh, long go- going... I think it was a comic f- first and then it got collected, the official handbook to the Marvel Universe, which is literally just that. Oh, I like the cards better. <laughs> they sh- if they would have made the Deadpool's supervillain trading cards as actual trading cards, I would have bought like a case of them. Oh yeah. Um, I like I like superhero trading cards. Uh, it's it's the '90s child in me who just loves them. I got a lot of like Fleer and Tops mm-hmm. X Men trading cards when I was a kid. All right, what was your best line? My best line is also from Spider. Well, it's it's kind of like a Spider Man Mary Jane exchange okay spider-man says to mary jane you ever had a dream while you're i don't know like awake and she says you mean like a daydream that's That's not what he meant but it just seems like a weird thing spider-man it's not a dream if it was real (sighs) bringing it back it's it's always (laughs) hawkspot all right who's your greatest hero Uh, my greatest hero is cap for punching nick fury (laughs) (laughs) I wrote, uh, and I quote, this is a toughie, but I'm going to give it to Spider-Man for at least lightening the mood. <laughs> there we go. Excellent. Because he does, he gets a lot of good quips. There's this bit in this where he talks about that he's three minutes away from blabbering in, in like the middle of the street about power and responsibility. And that was pretty funny, too. Mm. How about the moment that is the coolest? The coolest moment. Okay. Well. I, I gotta show you this panel I've got pulled up because it is like the best that the art works for me. This is the s- Daily Devil. Daily Devil! Hit it, Matt Wilson. Yeah, so. The bit where they're all being drawn together. Uh huh. It The art here is beautiful. We don't have any of that dumb background stuff. It's a two page spread. Uh, and you've got like the, the force bubble here expanding out into the second page with these great sequential panels and kind of a blue wash over everything. And it just looks really nice. And it's the best the art works for me. All five issues. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, it was, it was, it was a weird moment to me though. Cause some of them are like rightfully terrified. And one of them was just like, this is it. <laughs> yeah. I just kind of hated that she had to do that. And I'm like, why wouldn't she just make a bomb out of all these materials? And just, like, throw it. I don't know. She wanted to get them specifically. It was a... Co- it, this this whole... 
The whole premise of this comic is it's, dumb. It's like it's dumb. It's like nailed together <laughs> with like it's not screwed together, Christy. It's just nails. And I know you And they like didn't nails. even use any wood glue. It's true. No, no dovetailed joints. These are all words I They just understand. tried to butt join it with some nails. <laughs> no glue. Butt join it? A butt joint. That's a kind of joint. All right. <laughs> So how about the Crusher Creel Award for Silly Villainy? Okay, so my Crusher Creel Award for Silly Villainy goes to the one woman in this comic who is neither an incapable spouse nor sexy and secretive. Uh She's just kind of sassy, but maybe also incapable. Okay. So somewhere in the middle of that spectrum. Yes. It goes to Diamondback. Uh, And Diamondback's talking to uh, Scorcher, and she says, dude, you suck. And he says, I was so close. And she's like, yeah, well, close is French for suck. That is silly villainy. That's also a good line. You kind of, yeah. you kind of best lined your silly villainy. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's, it's pretty good. My like silly it. villainy is that Lucia von Bardis's ultimate goal was making a bomb out of people. That's, that's real goofy. You can just make a bomb out of bomb. You just wonder if that really was her ultimate goal or if that only became her goal because Nick Fury is a jerk. I don't know. I think that was only her goal because Nick Fury was a jerk. I mean, she was still actually the one who was paying for Tinkerer to like give tech to all of these villains. Like she wasn't she wasn't nice. I mean, they based that on what? The Tinkerer shows up and meets with her? Well, she shows up with all this stuff. Where'd she get it from? <laughs> I mean, fair. I just... I think the the the, the moral of this comic, because uh, Nick Fury is kind of the doomsayer, like, I think it's supposed to be that maybe diplomatic solutions can work, but we don't really get a chance to know. Right. Like, there's no bit where they're like, where, where it's revealed that the president had like a meeting scheduled with her or something. I don't know. But is her goal to bankroll villains to to the downfall of America or just to bankroll villains to make money? I don't know. Does she like, make any money off of it? Because they don't make any money. That's that. That was like the point in one of the earlier issues. Well, like it, they talk about how all their tech like costs so much or they owe so much, mm-hmm. so like they're indebted to her or paid a lot for. I thought their she stuff. was just she was just literally doing this to kind of spread mayhem, but I could be wrong, or to oh, maybe even overtax the super. But we don't really like get that. No, it's shoot first, ask questions later. Except no questions get asked or answered. No. All right. Well, let's get to Twitter questions. Yeah. Speaking of questions that will get answered, yours will, readers. All right. A couple questions. Uh, I asked, hey, we're going to be covering Secret War tonight. Send us those questions. We got from uh, at the Mad Mechanic. Why, though? Because I promise uh, it's somewhat important. It's just one episode, guys. You won't have to, you, you know, if you've never read Secret War, now you don't have to. Yeah, we've I, saved you from it. And if you, you have, it. like, now you can commiserate with us. Yes, we also have from at Josh Garvey, my pal Josh. Are you doing all right? Uh, I think I am, but I don't think Christy is. You know, this is the least favorite thing I've ever read of a comic. Wow. Well, it... Yes, I think this might be the floor. the the other The other things that could be a terrorist uh, um, allegory are less 
obvious than this. He literally says at some point, that doesn't make them criminals. That makes them terrorists. Yeah, terrorists is dropped in here at least once. Yeah, they, Nick Fury says it a lot. Mm-hmm. At Play Comics cast, uh, our buddy Chris asks, how would Batman have solved this entire problem? I feel like he would have just snuck in and like done something covert to like sabotage the money or something. I feel like it would have been way less bloody. Because Batman doesn't kill anybody. Yeah, I mean, he's he's the world's greatest detective. He we would have had more answers. Yeah, is what we would have had. It would have been great. I feel like he probably would have developed a relationship with Lucia von Hardestone. <laughs> That's true. Yep. Yep. It would have been. It would not have ended well. Oh no, it wouldn't have. There would have been like a moonlit like meeting slash makeout thing. Oh, God, you're so right. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been more right about something in a comic book. Uh, We got one question that I feel like is probably directed if we had been reading Secret Wars. So maybe we can, when we get to that Hickman crossover, well, that'll be good. At Comic Book Herald, uh, we love Comic Book Herald. uh, Comic Book Herald is the guy who does... All of those reading orders that I've literally been using for years. Mm. Um, thank you, Dave, at Comic Book Herald. You really do really good work. So please support him. I'm sure you've, you've used his reading lists. He asks, is Arrested Development pulling a Lucia Von Bardis gag the least likely possible legacy for this book? It is book wild. That <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's a readers, um, in the fourth season, of Arrested Development, they're they're making a bootleg Fantastic Four musical. Aren't they doing it like a rehab center? It's, I think it's with rehab patients. And the the but the bad guy is Lucia von Bardis, and that's like that's really that's really out there. She doesn't appear too much in actual comic books. Yeah, they don't make a Doctor Doom. No, that's pretty wild. I I kind of love that. You know, put that on the list of good things that came out of this. Yep. Um, my writing partner, uh, at Robert Secundus asks, what do you think of the frame story? Is it weird for a crossover to be told in flashback? I want to venture to say that very, very barely is the crossover actually told in flashback. Although, I guess for the purpose of this, this comic, all you need to know is they did a bad wrong and they like took it too far. Mm-hmm. I mean, it definitely is flashback because we start off in the one year after the fact. Yeah, I'm not then debating that it's a flashback. Yeah. I'm debating if the flashback is actually a story. <laughs> oh. I mean, it is. It's just. I mean, we have this story of them getting all together and then it's just kind of the, the last issue reveal of what actually happened. It's such a weird who done it because it because it, it frames it like a who done it and it's just like not yeah it is there's 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 not any sort of twists the obvious thing happens right yeah like i don't know why we had to wait for that reveal yep i i mean it was and it it was like such a big tease in the like solicit for it like the little description yeah. on marvel unlimited like what is the secret war they did a bad wrong. They did a bad wrong in another country. Uh, we have from at Coltrag, our pal Luke, war, what is it good for? Well, we know, Christy. Absolutely nothing. That's correct. Uh, from um, Zach, or at Zach Rabarov. I, I, Zach, I don't think I've ever had to say your name out loud, and so I'm very sorry if I messed it up. Zach is going to be working on 
Docs Talks. Docs Talks with us. Hawks Pox Docs Talks. I don't know. Is I don't is it? I don't think it's Hawks Pox. I think it's just Docs Talks now. Does the valorization of Nick Fury paint a troubling portrait of American attitudes toward terrorism and the rule of law during the post nine eleven era? The yes. Fact, yeah. And the <laughs> fact that he he still seems like the guy who's like on top and is like not seen as like a complete like wacko. I, I not to disparage any. We'll say something else. To seem like a complete like paranoid like boomer. Right. He. I mean, he, it seems God, like he's painted as he seems like a like as a, somebody who made the hard right choice. Right. But it. It's not. Whereas he should be like somebody's like like Fox News watching grandfather. Like that's what he should seem like. Right. Yeah. Uh like the ter- the you know, the terrorists are coming. Right. It's, the it's, fact that the fact that people at Marvel looked at this and said He yep, is at least go partially for it. in the right. This this is a this is this story is lots of shades of gray and it's really you know current and gritty. Yeah, let's go for it. What? Yeah. No. Also, on a scale of one to ten, how disturbing are Wolverine's <laughs> button jobs? Fifteen. They are up there. Oh, They're awful. They like they like come out to the side. They're, oh. they're like if, if I don't brush my beard, and well, they were also Wolverine jobs. just looked like toad with hair. He looked weird. Oh. Um, so at Runeg, Garrett Rooney asks, uh, this is our last question. While preparing for this episode, how many times did you accidentally say secret wars when you intended to say secret war? I didn't say it at all preparing. I just said it in the middle of our episode. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like, I feel like the amount that we, uh, discuss the ridiculousness of the, the secret war, secret wars, secret war two. Sec- you know, I feel like that we've gotten pretty good at it. We've gotten very good at it. Yeah. We're secret pros. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, readers, that's going to wrap up our somewhat uh, disappointed coverage of this uh, event, Secret War. Next Marvel event we're going to be covering is going to be uh, Civil War. Oh. Which is uh, one of the best-selling trade paperbacks of all time. However, before then, we um, will have a Patreon reward. We have two patrons who have met the requirement to suggest a um, crossover for us to cover. So the next one that's going to be covered is going to be um, between those two. You, the readers, will get to vote on Twitter. I'll put up a poll, and I'll put it up for as long as I can, for you to vote on. And whichever wins, we will cover. Mm-hmm. So other stuff to also be looking out for readers. Uh, the day that this episode drops, the final, uh, uh, final issue of final article, final article, installment, final. Yeah. The final chapter of Hawks Pox Talks will be live on Polygon. Yep. We're going to, we are almost at powers of 10 number six, the double sized finale. Mm-hmm. And as much as y'all like to uh, tag me into conversations <laughs> about Hawks Fox Talks, I promise you I am not really involved in it, aside from supporting Chris and providing time for him to to do. Which I very uh, much appreciate. Hawks, Fox, Talks. But I will be getting involved in Doc's Talks. Yes, that is going to be the six articles that will be featured um, exclusively on Xavier Files. 
um, at Xavier, or at XavierFiles.com. Wow, I'm getting weird. www.xavierfiles.com. It's going to be myself and Robert Secundus on, um, the uh, main X-Men title. Uh, so if you've been, um, reading Hoxpox Talks, you will want to catch that. Lots of cool people and everything. It would take a long time to name all of them, but you will be covering Marauders with, uh, Vishal Gallipoli. Mm-hmm. I'm looking very much forward to that. So that should be out October 25th. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. That's the Friday after Marauders Marauders drops. Yeah, so uh, Tox Men will come out the week before. Mm -hmm. So you'll get Powers of Ten on Polygon, then um, Tox Men on Xavier Files, and then Marauders on Xavier Files for all your Chris's content. Mm-hmm. If you are interested in us uh, as part of this podcast, you can always rate us on iTunes or Stitcher or any of those. Please give us those five star ratings. We'll shout you out on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I mentioned it last episode, and I'm hoping it doesn't lose steam because I had a lot of people express some interest in putting together an audio drama uh, that is superhero related. Uh, and I'm super excited about it, but I want to collaborate with some writers and I've had one person maybe get in touch with me, uh, and other people talk about like, oh yeah, that's something I want to do, but I want to make it happen. So if you are interested in being involved, uh, right now we're just looking for writers. And then once we have stories, we'll be looking for people to bring that to life with their voices. Yes, uh, please submit something or she'll do it all herself. I'm very close to that point right now. I've got like a whole world in my head that's just going to vomit itself onto the page. You could make a show Bible. I don't know what a show Bible is. Characters, settings, themes. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, that wouldn't that would that would be something that could occupy you while you let the scripts roll in. Um, If you want to uh, throw money our way, maybe you've uh, listened to this podcast and you thought these people deserve two entire dollars. Well, you can give us uh, three entire dollars, unfortunately, on ko-fi.com slash uh, Chris's on. No, that one's well at ko-fi.com. Link in the show notes. Link in the show notes. uh, You can give us those three dollar increments. We appreciate everything we get. We'll shout you out on the show. Or you can donate to us on a more monthly basis through Patreon.com, where uh, we also have a link in the show notes. You can give it a variety of levels and get some cool rewards, like the uh, patrons who are going to be able to suggest things to vote on in the coming months. And in the coming months after that, I think by December, we will have to permanently add an accolade. Mm-hmm. We are getting very close. Yes, indeed. If you want to get in touch with us, we are at Chris's Pod on Twitter and Facebook and um, at Chris's on Infinite Earths at gmail.com. And until next time, readers. Slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours.